Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, April 20th, 533 a.m. Central Time. As I speak here, grain markets off a little bit again today after some lower closes yesterday. Mackenzie, good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Joe? I'm great. It's going to be 82 and sunny here in Middle Tennessee this morning, although we do have um, this cold front coming in this weekend, as do a lot of places. Uh, what are we going to start with this morning? So we're going to talk about Russia. They are expecting an exceptional grain harvest this year. The country is anticipating a harvest of 123 million metric tons. Of that total, 78 million metric tons will be wheat. The estimates include grain from Russian-occupied territories of Ukraine, as Putin has claimed them claimed them as Russian. The harvest will be approximately one-fifth less than last year's record harvest of 153.8 million metric tons. Earlier this year, Russia's Ministry of Agriculture projected this year's grain harvest at about 120 million metric tons. <clears throat> Excuse me. China is the world's largest wheat producer, but Russia is typically the world's top exporter of wheat. There's a there's a lot of interesting things here. Um, when it comes to accounting of Russian grain and production, there's a lot of messy stuff going on. So Russia says last year's wheat crop was 100 million. USDA says it was 92. So was there some co-mingling of Ukrainian grain in there? I don't really know. Uh, when you look at, so, so what they said here, we are counting on a decent and importantly balanced harvest. We expect that in 2023, the volume of grain taking into account the new regions will be about 123 million metric tons. So they're taking into account the uh, grain that is produced, I guess, in these occupied regions, which you guys can see on my map here in the east. When you break this down by wheat and by corn, uh, there is quite a bit of wheat production in the east in these occupied territories. It's a good 20% of the country's wheat output, whereas in corn, um, it's not. There's very, very little corn production in the uh, eastern part of Ukraine and these occupied territories. So this is going to make USDA's job of accounting for all this. And it's really going to make, uh, we talked about transparency yesterday when it comes to Ukraine. It's going to make all of that very, very difficult. If if Putin is going to come out with his own estimates and say, uh, hey, everything out of these uh, regions are Russian and USDA doesn't want to acknowledge that, it's going to be uh, kind of a tricky deal for sure. Uh, let's go to some weather here. Rain is falling over parts of Nebraska, Kansas, and Iowa here this morning. Another system is dropping rain over parts of Minnesota and Wisconsin. Over the next 10 days, the heaviest accumulation will occur in parts of Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, the Mid-South, and the Southeast. This morning's Euro model calls for a sizable rain event across drought-stricken areas of western Kansas and western Oklahoma during the middle of next week. Flood risk in the Red River Valley of the Northern Plains remains higher, uh, remains higher given the expectation uh, for storms during the next week. Freeze damage remains unlikely in Kansas, Texas, and Oklahoma. This okay, you got, you got a whole bunch going on here. So Red River Valley up north, they're supposed to catch another like two different storm systems over the next 10 days. And uh, the government has said that there's going to be there's going to be some flooding for sure. I think there already is, but the river levels are going to get quite a bit higher. Um, this rain event that's in the forecast for Kansas, uh, western Kansas in particular, uh, western Oklahoma is interesting. This is uh, slated to begin call it Wednesday or Thursday next week. And you look at this map on my screen here, even far western Kansas, they're talking 
three inches of rain up to maybe four inches of rain locally. Same for uh, Oklahoma, Texas panhandle area out into eastern Colorado. Uh, We've seen these wet forecasts before, and I know that you guys, if you live in western Kansas, you'll believe it when you see it. But um, the wheat market itself, so we've backed off the last couple of days. We went very quickly from trading. uh, Maybe there was going to be a damaging freeze event to all of a sudden now there's no damaging freeze event this weekend. And as a matter of fact, there might be three inches of rain toward the last half of uh, next week. So the narrative here in regard to weather has really shifted around quite a bit. When you go back to the rainfall map, um, it's going to be a lot of rain in the Mid-South, a lot of rain in the Southeast. Uh, Eastern Corn Belt is going to be fairly wet. I'll be really curious to see uh, what happens in regard to planting progress on Monday afternoon. What does USDA report? Uh, If you guys have thoughts about planting progress, what has happened, what will happen in your neighborhood, uh, drop them in the YouTube comments here. I think things are going to be highly variable uh, depending on where you are in the country. Hey, guys, make sure you're checking out our premium content if you're not already doing so. Joe, what did we cover in yesterday's video? Cash and futures are not the same. Uh, Matt Bennett from agmarket.net joined me. This was a great premium video. Uh, We talked about kind of some of the stuff that's going on in the corn spread market. We talked about that May-July corn spread yesterday. Uh, We talked about the difference versus cash and futures. You know, in the futures market, you've got this inversion, May versus July, right? In your local cash market, you may not see that inversion at all. You may see kind of like a flat curve in regard to cash bids. You may even have some carry in your cash market. We talked about all of that as it relates to old crop marketing. Guys, if you want to see the premium stuff, sign up this morning. Go to standardgrain.com. It's uh, 49 or 50, sorry, $50 a month. Build to your credit card automatically. Cancel at any time. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. You can sign up in like one minute on your phone or on you can on your computer. Uh, Absolute piece of cake. Check it out this morning, guys. So Ukraine wants Turkey to seize a ship carrying stolen grain. Ukraine alleges that a ship with ties to the United Arab Emirates arrived in a Turkish port on Monday carrying 19,000 tons of stolen barley. Ukraine says that the barley was loaded at a Russian port in Crimea. Ukraine wants Turkey to take samples and question the ship's captain and crew. The Wall Street Journal had previously reported that Russian companies have smuggled thousands of tons of Ukrainian grain through a complex operation that involves mixing grain from different sources at sea. Uh, This is interesting. The Wall Street Journal has done a really great job of covering this. Uh, In this journal article, they talk about how, uh, first off, Turkey is actually, they're a NATO member, but they're trying to kind of walk the line between uh, relations with Russia and relations with the West, uh, given that they're kind of in the middle of this whole Black Sea grain deal uh, mess. Um, Turkey has sold weapons to Ukraine, but they've also deepened economic ties with Russia. That's what it said in the article. Uh, here's, a, here's a statistic that they had in the journal. And again, they've done a fantastic job. The number of ships arriving in Odessa through the corridor each day has slowed from an average of 5.9 per day last September to 2.8 in March, according to a study uh, by the Black Sea Institute of Strategic Studies. So uh, a lot of this goes back to like Ukraine's inability to ship everything that they'd like to ship. Um, this stolen grain thing, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you're going to hear about this for a long time, given the uh, story we talked about earlier. Putin's claiming all this stuff out of Ukrainian territories as his own. So this is just going to be messy from an accounting standpoint. Um, it's going to be messy in regard to the renewal of the grain deal, which expires on May 18th. And they're still talking about this grain deal like every single day year-round e15 ethanol sales in some states will be delayed until 2024 a group of governors from eight midwestern states lobbied for year-round e15 sales in march 
major corn growing states like Iowa, Nebraska, and Illinois were represented in that group. The group was hoping for year-round E15 sales beginning this year, although it now appears that the measure will not take effect until next summer. EPA Administrator Michael Reagan told the House Ag Committee that there was not enough time for final rulemaking. Reagan noted, however, that a temporary emergency waiver could allow E15 sales this summer. Reagan said there would be a significant disruption to consumer pricing and the like if we move too quickly here in 2023. We feel very confident uh, that E15 being sold year-round will be eligible and ready to go in 2024. So this group of governors from your Iowa's and Nebraska's, wherever, they're not going to be happy about this. Uh, The reason why we don't allow E15 sales in the summer is because of smog concerns, even though there's a lot of research that says otherwise. Uh, The ethanol industry and the oil industry are actually on the same page here. They are both in favor of year-round E15. Uh, The oil industry in particular uh, doesn't want to see it in just eight states. Like They'd rather see it nationwide because if they do just the eight states, it's going to present some distribution challenges. So uh, this could still happen this summer. Again, they need some sort of emergency waiver. I wouldn't bet on that, but uh, hopefully we get not only eight states, but nationwide. Uh, by 2024 uh, during the summer. USDA is testing a new export sales reporting system that will collect more data. After an unsuccessful rollout back in August, the USDA is refining the new system as it collaborates with exporters. On Tuesday, the agency opened the system to exporters so they could experiment with and test the new tool to see if it works as intended. The agency will continue to seek comments and preview the new, the new export sales reports before the system is implemented. They better not screw it up. I like my data on time. Uh, CFTC had all sorts of problems um, just not too long ago. USDA has had problems in the past. So uh, before you launch this thing, better make sure it works. U.S. ethanol production increased week over week. Weekly output of 1.024 million barrels per day was up 6.8% compared to the previous week and up 3% versus the same week last year. Ethanol stocks were pegged at 25.3 million barrels. The print was up 0.7% on the week and up 2% compared to the same week last year. Implied gasoline demand was down 4.7% on the week and down 2.5% versus the same week last year. On average, over the last four weeks, implied U.S. gasoline demand is up 4.2% versus the same period last year. So we've got improved ethanol production margins, which have led to improved ethanol production. Cash ethanol prices or ethanol prices in general have improved quite a bit. I think cash prices in Iowa, as an example, have rallied like 30 cents since mid-March. So your better margins are going to equal better production. Even in the Western Corn Belt, where you've got this strong cash corn market, margins are positive to the tune of 10 or 15 cents per gallon spot uh, using spot prices of corn, ethanol, DDGs, all those things. Margins in the central and eastern parts of the Corn Belt could be as good as 20, 30, maybe even 40 cents per gallon positive, depending on the location. And these are just rough estimates using, um, you know, again, spot prices. But uh, we hope to see more of that. We're a little bit behind where we need to be in terms of accumulated ethanol production and if we're going to meet that USDA pace, but it's absolutely still doable. What did the cattle market do yesterday, Mackenzie? So, live and feeder cattle futures softened a bit on Wednesday. They seem to be waiting for a fat cattle trade to get rolling here this week. Um, Both markets were down for the most part, but just marginally, not enough to really make a dent in the gains that we've seen here recently. 
Box beef also softened a bit. Uh, choice end of the day at 305.92. That was down $1.14. Select end of the day at 291.46. That was down 15 cents. From a technical, from a uh, technical standpoint, on that June cattle chart, there's a big gap that's open from like 161 to 162. If they really want to pressure this thing here and correct a little bit, that area would be your target. Uh, that'd be my guess. Outside markets this morning, guys, U.S. dollars just a little bit lower. Stock markets off. We're down 30 points in the S and P. The Dow's off 150. Gold's up eight bucks. Crude oil's down a dollar twenty-one in the dollar twenty rather in the June WTI seventy-eight oh four. Can't hold the trade above eighty bucks. Everybody have a great day, Mackenzie. We will talk to you Friday.